beginning. A conflict is introduced, right? Uh, there is a period of time over which the conflict is resolved, then we have the resolution, and then we have the end, right? Last week we looked at the beginning. Uh, we looked at the beginning of creation. Uh, we looked at uh, the conflict that was introduced. The conflict that was introduced was human sin. That's Genesis chapter 3. And as a result of human sin, the earth is now cursed. This is bad news. This was the cliffhanger. Remember, uh, this is the end of the pilot episode. The earth is cursed, and now people will die uh, because of the sin of humanity. What do you think God does now that the earth is cursed uh, because of human sin? Through Adam, the earth is cursed. And because now people die and death is set as the enemy in this series, in this book, in this story, and God is presented as the hero who promises to do away with death, uh, what do you think happens next? What do you think would happen if God never intervened on earth, if he stepped back and gave control of everything over to people. There are plenty of like apocalyptic movies about this, like because of the selfishness of people's hearts, because of our entitlement. Everybody tries to use everyone else, and the end result is what? Violence, uh, destruction, uh, the the downfall of governments, the worldwide like we we have, we have thought about this in our society today. There are movies about this. Well, there was a moment in time. This is after the fall, when God actually said, "I'm not going to dwell with people." We skip this part of the story because there are some weird things in the story that people don't like to try to explain, right? Um, so, uh, I am going to cover this part of the story because it's what comes next. This is found in Genesis chapter 6. Um, now, some of the weirder things in here we're not going to talk about. My goal, remember, in this series is not to, like, parse out the text, like, word for word and look at every little meaning of every little thing. It's to look at the big picture, the singular story, and how the story unfolds. So, the, the conflict has been introduced, and now it came about... When men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. There it is. God comes out and says, My spirit will not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty Years. Now, from this time, the time God says this to the flood is 120 years. God is going to give humanity 120 years to rule the earth without Him intervening, without the presence of His Spirit striving with humanity. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So during this 120 years, God observes people. He judges justly, and he sees that the human heart is only wicked all the time. This is not a surprise to us, right? We make movies about 
this. We write books about this, right? We have conspiracy theories upon conspiracy theories upon conspiracy theories because we recognize that the intent of the human heart is evil. If people were in charge of everything without the intervention of God, the earth would be destroyed. It would be full of wickedness, which is exactly what God sees here in Genesis chapter 6. Now, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved to his heart. He sees what people become without him, right? And it grieves him. He is sorry. And it's not the type of, the type of sorry that makes him want to, you know, just start over because he doesn't do that, right? He could have just done away with everything and everybody and not saved anybody and completely destroyed the earth and actually just made a new creation. Like, that could have been how the story goes, but God does not do that. Instead, he decides to save one family and to restore his earth, right? To strive with humanity after this. But while he's not striving with humanity, he sees the wickedness of humankind, and the wickedness of humankind fills his heart with sorrow. Who's the hero in this story? Okay, God is the hero in this story. Yes. Is God, according to this story, a good guy or a bad guy? Okay, so he's a good guy, right? Uh, and because he's a good guy, because he's the hero, wickedness burdens him. He doesn't like to see wickedness. He is sorrowful. He is grieved when he sees wickedness upon his earth. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And now the earth was corrupt, wicked, evil, in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. What does this wickedness cause on the earth? Violence. Why do you think wickedness causes violence upon the earth? Wickedness comes from a sense of entitlement, um, in this case, it came from people trying to, to be in the place of God, right? Pursuing their own desires, trying to pursue their own uh, knowledge and wisdom apart from God, building their own societies, doing their own things, trying to have power, right? And this wickedness actually caused violence upon the earth, uh, injustice, right? So today, in our society, so this is Genesis 6, actually has some bearing on like the time we live in right now, because we can look around and we see violence and what causes the injustice, the violence that we see in the world today. It's the same thing, right? If people were never selfish, would there ever be any human violence? No, there wouldn't be, right? Even James in his letter in the New Testament in chapter 4 of his letter he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not your own desires, your lusts? That is what causes violence upon the earth. And so God is looking at the earth, and there are some in the world, and you've most likely heard this, right? 
who accuse God of being the one who incites violence. But from the very beginning of the story, God looks at the earth, he sees the wickedness, he sees that it causes violence, the whole world is violent at this point, and it it grieves him to his heart. God does not like injustice. God does not like this, this unjust violence that he sees, right? So the, the earth is corrupt, and it is filled with violence, and God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Why did all flesh corrupt their way upon the earth? Because God pulled his spirit back, right? God was not intervening. God was not going after people. He was letting people have control of his earth. And he had a reason for doing this, right? So God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. What do you think about God's response here to the wickedness and violence upon the earth? Is God responding to violence with violence? There is a difference, right, between unjust violence, which is what grieves God's heart, and just violence. Uh, If we see something that is evil, do we feel a need at least to say something about it, if not do something about it? I, I hope you say yes, right? Like, if there's something evil in the world, we should at least say something about it if we don't do something about it, right? Um, evil, uh, injustice in the world, sometimes demands a response like this. Um, sometimes when nations wage war against other nations, those other nations, like in World War II, have committed atrocities against the human race, unjust violence. And so the response of a godly nation against, say, the Nazis, right, the violent response would be just. It would be good. Not everything that everybody does in such a war would be good, but the war itself would be justified, would be good. Why? Because there is a nation, Germany, actually committing atrocities against the human race. And so there is a response there. When the whole earth is filled with violence, there is a just violent response. So it's not the just violence that grieves God's heart. Sometimes there is a place for that. It is the unjust violence that grieves God's heart. And that's what the world was full of. And so God is justified in this sort of response. It is in accordance with his nature. It is in accordance with his love for justice, yes, but also his love for his earth because this type of response is the thing that's going to save his earth. Who's the hero in this story? God. And you'll notice that when all is said and done with the flood, there's still an earth, there are still animals, and there are still people. God is interested in its salvation, not its destruction. Speaking of that, let's skip ahead to Genesis chapter 8, verses 15 through 22. So maybe you know how the story goes. God instructs Noah to build an ark. Noah builds the ark. The animals go in two by two, right? The animals go in two by two into the ark. And the door closes. The floodwaters come. The earth is 
baptized, right? Everything outside the ark is destroyed. Everything inside the ark survives. The flood subsides, and Noah and his family and the animals get off the ark. And God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth. This is still God's plan. This is still what God is interested in, right? And be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. He's recognizing this, right? He's saying this as a matter of fact. The intent of man's heart is evil, it's wicked, from his youth. But, in spite of that, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. That part of the story is done. It's over, right? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest will be there. Cold and heat will be there. Summer and winter will be there. Day and night will be there. They, they will not cease. They will never come to an end, right? So we see that God in this, what do you think, first of all, what do you think his purpose was for doing this? Surely God uh, could have created a world where none of this was necessary. Surely he had a purpose for doing this beyond just arbitrary, oh, people sin, I'm going to flood the earth, right? We try to be righteous where we cannot be. And so God creates an environment, actually gives people a command where people sin against him, right? And he, he creates such an environment where he can show people over the span of 120 years, right? You are incapable of ruling the world, right? You are actually incapable of taking the place of God. You are incapable of doing things on your own. Now, the point of everything God does is to achieve his own glory and cause us to realize that without him, we are, we are nothing, Right, which I think is important for intelligent people, intelligent beings. The world has been introduced to sin, right, and death, and God has made death his enemy because death is the enemy of of people. And with every step, he makes a great amount of progress against death. Now here, uh, he he takes the high ground against death on our behalf, noticing that. The intents of our hearts are, are evil, from our, they're selfish, uh, entitled, from our youth. Yet, uh, because God has already shown that people are incapable, right, of leading the world, God will never again curse the ground, and he will never again destroy every living thing as he did with the, with the flood. Um, in this moment, God has shown us that in his creation, there will be no, no end, right? Uh, he has shown us that being the hero, that being the good guy, he is interested in the preservation 
of his world and the preservation of humanity. He is interested in revitalization, uh, and he is not interested in simply punishing people because people have been bad, right? Uh, God, who has presented himself as the hero, is doing something real and making real progress. And at each step in this, the conflict zone, you know, between the beginning when the conflict was introduced and, and the resolution, we're going to see God, the hero, actually making progress against death. And by the end of the story, death, death dies, right? Uh, that is the, the final enemy to be killed, according to the New Testament, is death itself. And so by the end of the story, we're going to see him do that. But I have some encouragement for each of you uh, tonight, okay? Um, because sometimes you may feel like your world is ending. Something goes badly. Uh, you experience uh, depression. Uh, or you hear someone uh, talking about and majoring on the idea that um, God is so angry at people and what people are doing that he is just going to he's going to he's going to start taking out cities he's going to start letting everything just kind of just kind of just kind of die i i have news for you god promised a long time ago not to do that even though people are wicked but the the gospel that we share about what god is doing the story we share about what god is doing is good news it's not bad news so you feel like your world is ending or you hear some myth about uh, God getting angry with people and just taking people out in, in, the, in the world, right? And sometimes he has punished nations like that, but it's, it's not normative for him to do. Why? He has, he has made a very real promise. He is on humanity's side here. And he has taken the side of humanity because humanity is his, his prized creation, right? Humanity is his his bride, and it's perfectly represented in the church of, of Jesus Christ. So as long as the earth is here, there will be seed time and harvest and day and night and heat and cold. There will be summer and winter and spring. Okay. God has made this promise, and I find this to be very, very, very encouraging for my own life, and it helps me to see that in this story, God really is the good guy and not the bad guy. All right, you guys have any questions?